Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about dysfunctional families. Empty, lonely, and alone. Boy, I bet most of us know what dysfunctional families are all about. But, you know, let's define it first. Let's break it down. You know, a a dysfunctional family is uh, dysfunctional if they regularly experience conflict or misbehavior or abuse in a way that causes some members of the family to accommodate the inappropriate actions. And and dysfunctional families are often usually the result of of one overtly, which means they're obvious, uh, abusive parent and one codependent parent who turns a blind eye at the misbehavior. And and so dysfunctional parents may learn their behavior from their own parents, which is often generational. And sadly, those patterns continue to flow through the generations. In, In some cases, when one parent does not object to the dominant parent's abuse, the children will be misled into believing this the dysfunction is their own fault. And sometimes children grow up in these families believing that the situation is absolutely normal. So let's look at the characteristics of dysfunctional families because they're all different and they often share some principles, characteristics, and some defining traits uh, that are there. So, you know, let's look. There's usually in a dysfunctional family a lack of empathy. There's usually poor communication. Oftentimes there's drug, alcohol abuse, perfectionism, fear and unpredictability, denial, disrespect of boundaries, control, excessive criticism. And in dysfunctional family roles, each member of the dysfunctional family actually plays a role in the dysfunction to keep the cycle going. And that's called homeostasis, where they, they keep everything in balance as, as, as dysfunctional as it is. So there's the, na- the enabler, which is basically a caretaker, and that person protects and they, and they take care of the problem parent in order to keep the family going. And they also take on the burden and responsibilities of the problem parent to prevent them from going into a crisis. And then there's the hero. And this person takes on the role of making the family look good. And this overachieving person is often good at making everything outside look normal. And then there's the scapegoat. And this person is often the child who exhibits negative behaviors that take the attention off the main problem of the family. And then if the family's large, there's the lost child, and that's the quiet one who tries to escape the situation. Usually it's the middle child, and the child often avoids interactions with other family members, and that leads to a lack of social development in the long run for that person. Then there's the mascot, and the mascot works to lighten the mood and break up the tension within the family, and they often use humor to distract from their problems instead of facing them. And, you know, when you're living in a dysfunctional family, you can probably identify the people who are in these roles in your home. And so, you know, there's signs, there's so many signs of of a dysfunctional family looking from the outside in, Uh, usually with with, uh, people that are unhealthy and dysfunctional. 
vacations can be extremely stressful. Uh, they should be a relaxing time for your family to make memories together and enjoy some free time outside your normal routine. But if you find traveling to be extremely stressful when you're with your family, this is usually a sign of a dysfunctional relationship. You know, um, you, you often think, think about how uh, you will do things differently. If you've already know as a child that you will parent your children one day differently than you're being parented, that's a red flag that you're growing up in a dysfunctional family. Children should not be spending time noticing things in their household that they would never want to be repeated. You know, that that's so sad, but you hear it over and over and over again from people. And, and also, your parents have separate rooms. That's a sign. If they have separate rooms, sometimes it's normal for to, for, to sleep in different beds, especially if the schedules differ or if they don't want to disturb the other one while they're sleeping, if they have a snoring problem. However, if your parents never spend or spent time in the same room together, they probably have a toxic relationship. If your family... Uh, lives in silence. You know, silence is dysfunctional when it is used as punishment, and 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 dis it, it disregards the worth of people. And so, a milder form of the silent treatment is demanding that other people guess what's wrong with you. You know, the problem here is not placing value on your relationship or the other person enough to actually talk about the troubles. So they use silence as a sense of power. Silence is power. You know, if you experience uh, triangulation, now what is that? Well, it, it occurs when one family member confides in another about a third family member. An example would be like a mother and father talking through their child by asking the child to ask the other parent for updates on a personal or adult matter. This puts the burden of adult issues on the child. And this oftentimes, sadly, happens in divorce where the parents can't stand each other suddenly even though they bred and created and got married and did all these wonderful commit life commitments and then they decide not to talk to each other. Then they talk through the child and use that child as a communication, turning that child into an a parentified child, meaning they have to take on adult skills and lose their childhood because they're idiot parents. This happens all the time. Also, uh, you give or get double messages. Double messages occur when someone says one thing and then they do another. And this could be serious as, as an abusive parent saying, I love you or I'm so sorry after hitting a child. And this confuses the recipient and blurs the meaning of spoken words to the child because Hitting and I love you, putting those two together, that just doesn't make sense. And so a child has a hard time processing that. And it also uh, confuses the, people's intuition, children's intuition. You know, if a mother tells a child your father does not have a drinking problem, he just likes to have a few drinks after a long work day, then this contradicts the evidence that the child sees. And so, uh, you know, that can be extremely difficult on a child. There's, there's also enmeshment. That's another sign that a family is dysfunctional. If one member of the family spends an extreme amount of time dealing with the problems of another family member or they take personal responsibility for another family member's emotions, this is what enmeshment is. So the boundaries exist in healthy families where everyone is responsible for dealing with their own problems. They use I statements. I, I, how did you contribute to this issue? You know, that's healthy. This doesn't mean that people don't ask for help, but it also doesn't mean that family members blame each other for their personal problems. And it does mean that family members don't feel 
uh, personally responsible for the solution. And so people lack the sense of responsibility. And sadly, in adult life, there are so many people who take no accountability. And where did they learn it? They learned it in their own dysfunctional family. You know, if you rarely bring friends home, that's because of the fighting, the condition of the house, substance abuse, or fear that someone in your family will embarrass you. This isolation also occurs when the parents of your friends don't allow them to visit you because of the environment of your home and the behavior of your parents. You yourself might be too embarrassed to have your friends over uh, around your parents because they may be embarrassing uh, and argue and talk loud and drink and do all kinds of crazy things. Also, a person coming from a dysfunctional family, a really good sign that they did is they don't stand up for themselves. You'll find yourself in situations that are clearly not your fault, but default to thinking that you could have done something differently. You know, this is what children often do in in terms of divorce. They'll blame themselves, especially around 6 to 10. They think it's their fault that their parents got divorced, not their parents. And so it's very important for the parents to understand that they have to communicate, this is not your fault. This is our decision. This is something that we did. And I'm not advocating for divorce, but there are some situations where people just aren't smart enough and don't have the common sense or the emotional intelligence to be together. You know, if you fear abandonment, if you've often felt abandoned as a child, either physically or emotionally, you'll likely carry this fear for the rest of your life. And so a fear of abandonment oftentimes is when parents just disappear and then they may return or they may not return, but that abandonment is very scary for children and it does a lot of, it creates a lot of insecurity in a child growing up into their adult life. And once again, it passes on into another generation of their family oftentimes. You know, people pleasers, you know, this is a survival trait that may develop as a result of being abandoned or experiencing neglect on a regular basis. So uh, pleasing other people is an attempt to win them over when you fear their criticism. So you hold on to the belief that if you're nice enough, this person will not abandon you. And you probably develop this trait to be able to detect the mood of adults around you so you're, you could respond appropriately. People pleasers oftentimes are pleasing people that are total jerks. And so sadly, um, and, and people that can't be pleased. And so there's a lot of, uh, of, of very bad uh, communication that takes place with the pleaser because their true self is not able to come forward. You know, abuse can be physical, but emotional abuse is oftentimes a big part of uh, dysfunctional families and also sexual abuse. And, and this, this includes neglect from another person or witnessing fighting or someone else being abused. And while your parents may not be abusing you directly, just the exposure to other people's fights could be just as damaging. And any kind of abuse leaves family members in need of emotional care. They have to have some more safe. When the home becomes a battleground, it is no longer home. And so that is the sad thing for children is that they lose their home when they have abusive and and, and neglectful parents because it's no longer safe to be there. And also, oftentimes, if there's no discipline, neglect refers back to the lack of basic needs, but also to the lack of discipline or structure. So if no one takes on the role of being in charge due to substance abuse or emotional distress, then children are left to fend for themselves. And so oftentimes people don't discipline 
or they discipline when they're angry. And that is such a wrong thing to do. You do not strike out emotionally or physically at a child because you're angry at them. You want to teach them through discipline. And so discipline through teaching is called love. And a child knows that even if they don't like it. If you're trying to teach them something, that's what's important about it. it. You know if your holidays aren't joyful. No matter what types of holidays your family celebrates, there are sure to be times where the whole family gets together to try to enjoy a special meal or exchange gifts. And if you dread these occasions and never find joy in them, it's likely due to a dysfunctional family situation or the fear that that dysfunction will pop up in that holiday event. So holidays tend to add stress and unmet expectations for everyone. But a dysfunctional family can be thrown into a tailspin as a result. So, you know, you, you have to look at that. Wow, that's dysfunctional family. You know, you have to, you, if you wonder what it would be like to be in someone else's family, that's a good sign that you're in a dysfunctional family because you're seeking something else than where you are. You know, if you think you're the, the only normal person in your family and everyone seems to have some kind of weird issue, uh, you know, and, and you can't find an ally in your siblings or your parents, their craziness makes you feel isolated and lonely. So if you're the only normal person in a dysfunctional family, that in itself also creates baggage in people because they're stuck being normal where everyone is weirdos. And so for them, they have nowhere to align. They have no safety for themselves. Also, family who use money or some type of reward to control other people in the family, that's another unhealthy sign. People, uh, you know, personal control should not be part of giving something to someone. If control is intended, it's considered to be bribery. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you don't want your kids, you want your kids to do their chores and then you, you can pay them for that. That's teaching them democracy. But the thing is, is when you're using it to coerce them, that is bribery. That is dysfunctional. And it's a power play. Also, uh, accountability requires stating clear boundaries and allowing natural consequences to happen when the boundaries are crossed. So so uh, placing blame on other people is a dangerous habit that typically occurs with victimization. So families who blame each other for their feelings or experiences are failing to take personal responsibility for their own roles and situations and are setting themselves up for codependency. So, you know, also punishment is used uh, instead of discipline. Once again, that in itself is dysfunctional. And also uh, using threatening tactics. These are some some families use threats to maintain control. For example, a family may threaten to disown a child if they make certain choices. While this may sound common, it's not uh, acceptable and it's definitely not healthy. You know, families who threaten each other emotionally, physically, psychologically, are toxic. Also, when they alter the truth, dysfunctional families often twist their intentions, their experiences, even the memories that they recall to avoid being held accountable for behavior. And that's known as gaslighting. So there are a lot of ways that someone in your family can distort you, what you want, and your life experiences, both with and without them. You know, so don't distort the truth because that's a high sign of a dysfunctional family member. Also, uh, you know, if, if family members or parents go untreated in their illnesses and their mental illnesses and just you just avoid the problem, that's a dysfunctional family. If the family's unavailable 
where they're emotionally unavailable. They're not there. Their, their physical presence doesn't matter. Emotional availability is an important factor in a healthy family. And when someone is emotionally checked out, they're making themselves unavailable to everyone around them. And uh, that behavior creates a huge amount of dysfunction. So when there's unpredictability, constant conflict, when people are dismissive, a lack of empathy, uh, experience of role reversal, you know, excessive control, there's no sense of privacy, and allowing teasing to go too far, these are huge, huge signs of a dysfunctional family. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel how do you define work is it that mundane monday through friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment achievement and purpose if you are looking to make your work life the latter tune in to working on purpose with elise cortez There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the one thing that almost everybody knows about, and that's dysfunctional families. And uh, I think all of us, in some way, comes from a dysfunctional family of some sort, some more severe than others. What's sad is, is they're generational. Dysfunctional families carry on. If people don't overcome... Uh, old patterns and individuate into their own person, oftentimes what happens is they do what they were taught. Even if they hate the way they were taught, even if they hate the things that went on in their own childhood, they were, we're lazy people sometimes and we do lazy things and those patterns as they repeat themselves and reinforce themselves go move on into the next generation of our lives. And so if you grew up with parents that were detached, oftentimes you will become a detached parent if you don't mindfully try to change who you are, the kind of parent you want to be, and understand that children absorb everything. (coughs) Excuse me. Though we may not say or understand, but children really truly pick up on these patterns and carry them forward in their life. If you're a drinker or if you take substance abuse, if you do substance abuse, oftentimes Kids will pick that habit up and move on into the next generation and do the very same thing, even though they tell themselves in childhood, that's not what I want to do. Um, if they see argumentative parents that never resolve their, their arguments, that's the only role model they're going to ever get of marriage. And so guess what they do? They do what their parents do. So it takes a very strong person to self-analyze himself and really discover Who am I and stick to their guns and not be lazy and go back to the value systems that they're taught in their own childhood? Oftentimes, if they do that, they will recreate the dysfunction. They will lighten the dysfunction or or they will actually alleviate the dysfunction and be able to not pass it on into the next generation. We all carry that responsibility. So how do you deal with a dysfunctional family? Well, the impacts of growing up on a, in a dysfunctional family can be long-lasting. However, it doesn't have to determine your destiny, and you can learn to heal. You can overcome leftover feelings from living in a dysfunctional household with a new adult point of view. So first, 
It's very important to remember that you can't change the past and the dysfunction at the core of the family will likely always exist. Also, you can't change people. And sometimes you need to just allow yourself to have a healthy distance. The next thing is you don't try to make up for the past or recoup lost time by trying to salvage relationships that are past the point of repair. And that may be your parents. That may be a sibling. That may be a cousin. That may be somebody in your life that it's just too much energy to try to repair that relationship. And it may hurt their feelings, but you have to do what's healthy for you. You don't want to continue reinforcing bad behavior in yourself. If you're trying to generationally stop dysfunction, you need to move those people aside and set just very small pockets of time for those individuals and maybe even communicate straight up what you're trying to do. And hopefully they are adult enough to understand that they created a dysfunction and maybe they want to fix it, but that's not going to be done on your time. You know, and said, you know, protect your well-being, you know, uh, um, move forward by creating a family of your own that has healthy and thriving relationships. Start new uh, legacies, start new memories, start new traditions, do things differently that fit your family. You may you know you may have uh, been cheated out of a healthy childhood, but don't allow this victim mentality to continue into your adult life. You're not a victim. We don't choose the families that we're born into, and that creates a lot of problems. The other things <clears throat> excuse me, don't let your past control your present by by failing to become a, a well-adjusted adult. Create a new identity that does not focus on the pain you endured in the past. And if possible, you want to try to find the strength to forgive people and understand that many times dysfunctional families are not created out of bad intentions. It's bad coping skills that they have fallen back on. And so parents, you, you, you have to understand that your coping skills oftentimes becomes your children's coping skills. And so ultimately, the most effective way to heal from a dysfunctional family is to live your own fulfilling life and set your own value systems. You know, you'll always be connected to dysfunction if you have endured it, but your long-term success and happiness are in your own hands. So when you understand this, you're already on your way to heal. And so that is so important. Also, healthy families, you know, families aren't fair. We don't choose the ones that we're born or adopted into. And today, a family is what most people are in recovery from. And and so, you know, so what let's try to figure out what functional is. Well, there's some elements of a functional family. A functional family encourages the optimal growth of all of its members. And it also provides a safe place where people can become more or less themselves. And so families promote the sense of unity and belonging, the we, while respecting the separateness and the difference of individual members, which is the I. So there's we as a family and there is the I and we respect both. Also, in healthy families, parents make and enforce rules that guide a child's behavior. They don't own their children. Those children are a gift. They, they, they are not owned by their parents. 
So, you know, they, the parent's job is to make and enforce rules that guide a child's behavior, but they do not regulate a child's emotion and intellectual life. Individual family members feel free to share their thoughts and feelings on emotionally loaded subjects without telling others what to think and feel and without getting too nervous about the differences. So they support each other with empathy, empathy and respect of the individual. And they understand that you don't, when someone says you make me feel, that is wrong. You make yourself feel, not other people making you feel. And so oftentimes in family, we are thought of as people that create emotions in other people. And that's just untrue. And oftentimes that's learned in a family. Also, parents are calmly in a healthy family. They're calmly connected to their own family of origin. And no family member has to deny or silence an important aspect of the self in order to belong and be heard. And that means that we're taken for all our flaws and we're taken for all of our good. That means that we all understand there's weaknesses and there's strengths in all of our family and we love them for who they are. When they do bad things, then we have to be there to try to support them and encourage them to come back to do something good. We don't want to be walking around their problems. And so it has to be safe within a family to deal with conflict. It has to be safe within a family to deal with problems and bad choices. And so every family is not going to be perfectly healthy and every family is not going to be totally dysfunctional, but there are many that are in the middle. Um, families are dysfunctional because families are anxious systems. And, and so there's always something that sends emotional shockwaves through a family as it moves through the life cycle. And you can observe that anxiety in a system, but you can uh, also observe signs and symptoms of an anxious family system, just like you can observe the signs and symptoms of your an- anxious self. Anxiety, for example, drives triangles. That means people... Uh, want to talk about other family members. So when people are anxious, what they do is they, they align with one other person and then they, they are focusing on the problems of another person. So they take sides and they begin to lose objectivity and they overfocus on each other and they, they blame and they end up uh, not taking accountability for their own actions. And that's called triangulation. And so, you know, if you look at a family you, you, a family, just like a person, is a system, and you want to try to remedy the system and get objective to it. When you're trying to heal a dysfunctional family, you're trying to heal the system and change behaviors and change the way that we communicate with each other. And when you do that, you find empathy and a sense of feeling human. And that is such an important thing that so many people lose. They become objects in their family. They become labels in their family and they stop becoming the person that they are. You know, if you think of the most painful family drama you've ever experienced, one that's left you in such a a horrible scar that has impacted your relationships, your job, your stability, satisfaction with life, then imagine learning about thousands of people who overcame other experiences that were like yours in which the entire family healed And it grew closer and each member transformed into a stable, loving, mature, dependable person attaining their best success. I have to tell you, you know, when you go through hard times and when you go through life, you may be on the mountain for a while, but truthfully, you will fall. 
you will fall if that's what it takes to make you humble as a person. And and what's important to understand is in a family, a family will fall. If one member falls, maybe all will fall because the resources have to be given to that person to help them. And so what happens in a family, a family oftentimes is stable at times and it's unstable. And it's how resilient they are and how they, they uh, 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 how they pull together that that's what makes a family strong and that that's what makes families good. You know, um, there's a drama triangle. Uh, and once again, it's, it's the victim, the poor me, where they avoid responsibility. Then there's a rescuer and, and the rescuer of the victim. For every victim, there's, a, there's a, also a persecutor. People familiar with psychology may know about a uh, Cartman's triangle, you know, Stephen Cartman was a a medical doctor. He developed a model that captures one of the most common triangular interactions among people, the victim, the rescuer, and the persecutor. The fascinating thing that Cartman reveals is that each role has an egoic payoff. For the victim, they avoid responsibility, they become dependent, they're getting their egoic needs met by having people do things for them. They also succeed in getting attention for both the rescuer and the persecutor are focusing on them. Then there's the rescuer, let me help you. And once again, this this model plays out in a family. This model can play out in a family and they learn this and then they carry this into their adult lives. So with the rescuer is the let me help you person, they rush to the aid of the victim, they get uh, you know a payoff by being perceived as a positive person and also avoiding their own problems and feelings. Rescuers love to avoid themselves. Then there's the persecutor. It's all your fault. Every persecutor needs a victim, and their egoic need of feeling powerful and superior is fulfilled when they blame, attack, and bully a victim. And like the rescuer, the persecutor uh, gets to avoid any real feelings and fears that they have. While people tend to assume a primary role in the triangle, they will often shift and take turns taking on different roles with each other. And so the rescuer may get upset with the persecutor and take on a persecutor role and attack them, placing them in the victim role. So once again, these are not individual people. These are people that create a system where they move from victim to rescuer to persecutor. All of this is dysfunctional and avoiding one's role in a family or organization can be challenging but if you can try not to be in those roles your family can come together and be healthy you know significant change can be initiated in a sudden shift it's it's not a matter of trying harder it's a matter of trying something different <coughs> excuse me salvador Minuchin was a family therapy giant and that was something that he would repeatedly demonstrate that you can change a part of the system and then the whole family can change. You know, um, a, a, a prime family uh, uh, dictum is that when one overfunctions, the other underfunctions. So try something different. If it feels a little uncomfortable, that might be a good thing. You know, a, a good example is, is, is with positive outcomes is the, the stopping the nagging 
and criticizing. When parents responded to their older teen or young adult with respect and stopped trampling across their boundaries, the children were in a, are in a better position to step out of the victim role and become more autonomous and more responsible. Another byproduct is that parents stop over-focusing on their children, and then they could better focus and improve on their intimate relationship with each other, creating that nurturing love that a child needs to see. It's that role model that they need to see rather than looking at their parent and trying to have a a role with that parent. It's so important that adult parents have a good relationship because that sense is role modeling for their children. You know, if you deeply desire to help your family, take a pause. Focus on you. What can you do? Feel your feelings fully. Recognize if you're escaping your feelings by taking part in one of those triangle roles. Try to step out of the roles completely. Take responsibility for your life and your feelings. Let others take responsibility for their lives and their feelings and avoid mind reading, blaming, scapegoating, rescuing, martyrdom, being the target of someone else's blaming. Put boundaries together. And respect other people's boundaries. Be consistent. Dare to live your life's passion without needing an excuse or justification. You know, when a child decides, I want to go to this college or I want to do this career, that is the most exciting thing for a family because now they have a role to get behind. Now they have something they can get behind and help that child. When people make decisions, you are empowering other people to help you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about more about the symptoms, but we're also going to talk about healing and functioning and becoming a better person in a dysfunctional family. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 
We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about dysfunctional families. And I got to tell you, you know, um, when you have spirituality in your life, when you have uh, religion or faith in your life and you go to church and, you know, that is all about family. And uh, they, they often say, and I'm sure you've heard it a million times, is that families that pray together stay together. But the truth is, if, if, you, if you look at people that live in faith, they live for Jesus. They live through themselves. They're, 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 their life is about other people. And that's what family becomes. And that's what family should be teaching us, is a sense that we are there for each other. And uh, that we're not just here for ourselves and we're not just trying to become a successful person, that we're trying to become a good person. And, um, you know, families are the, the breeding ground for our emotional intelligence also. That's where we learn to compromise. That's where we learn to work through our feelings. That's where we learn empathy and love and caring. This is, that's the place that we're supposed to be at in a family. And those are the goals that we go towards. And if you look at the sense of what... Um, Christian faith is all about, at least, and, and, and many of all the faiths around the world are about, is about the, 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 the sense of bondedness within a family and putting that family together and making it a functional way to help other people in this world. And those value systems carry on for generation after generation. And, and if you think about marriage and if you think about children, that's what the, the, that's what Christianity is about, too. And so I'm not trying to preach, but what I'm trying to say is is that you know, finding the people in your life that create healthy families and that can actually shift your value systems from dysfunction to functional. If you have faith in your life, especially if you live in a dysfunctional family or come from a dysfunctional family, at least you can get the models 
of healthy that come out of a, a, a Christian faith and going to church and having a good uh, family at the church because that is a family in itself too. Now, here's some more symptoms. Dysfunctional is defined as abnormal or impaired functioning and on the part of an individual person between people of any sort of relationship or even amongst members of a family. So poor functioning refers to both behavior and relationships that aren't working. And they have one or more negative, unhealthy aspects to them, such as poor communication or frequent conflict. <clears throat> and it's often um, mental health professionals uh, use, ter- use that term dysfunction for interactions between people and is often used to describe any relationship in which there is significant problems or struggles. You know, dysfunctional relationships or situations are often um, the, the beginning for getting help in psychotherapy. So many families develop dysfunctional aspects, then they try to cope with their troubled uh, teen or their life or their problems with those horrible coping skills, and they move those on and they reinforce them and they continue to use them. You know, the things of dysfunctional behavior that's often learned is like a troubled teen who expresses anger by hitting other people. Or a teenage couple that deals with conflict by not speaking to each other. Or a family in which a parent is drinking daily and family members are afraid to talk about what's happening. That's huge. Um, You know, a a teenager with with a dual diagnosis who uses drugs to deal with their, their symptoms like depression or bipolar or manic behavior. Instead of uh, dealing with it, you know, head on with therapy and, and, and medication. You know, dysfunctional, this is all learned in families. Dysfunctional family patterns, <clears throat> the parents of a teen uh, in, in the family with alcohol or drug abuse is always often going to perpetuate a kid that's going to have the same type of problems. Also, one or more, one or more. Uh, where both parents have have compulsive behavior such as gambling or overworking, that leads to difficulties for the rest of the family because they have to carry the burden of what's going on at home. Or uh, one or both parents threaten or actually carry out violence that may or may not involve the children. Or they treat the children as possessions, as if the children are only around for the parents' own personal needs or satisfactions. Or both parents are, one or both is extremely strict to the point of not getting their children autonomy and exerting tight control over their lives. You know, children will resent that, especially as they move on to their late teens. They want to be able to make their own choices and their own mistakes. They want their parents, and, and as a parent, you want your children to make their mistakes on your clock instead of their own. Because then, where are they going to go? But if they're there at the house with the family, with you guys there, that's when a good time when they can make a mistake and it can be corrected. You know, with with uh, one or both parents, if they're unable to provide any any uh, emotional support or physical or financial support, that can be horrible. Also, many times, families uh, with these patterns... Uh, when they start, they become a normal dysfunction that just tends to occur all the time. And so what's the effect on children? When the dysfunctional patterns become the standard in a family, the detrimental effects on children is huge, and it can be carried into their adult lives. And so, you know, there's some ways that this happens, like having to take sides in a parental conflict. 
actions of parents not matching their words, which can cause a totally distorted reality. Being rejected or, or, or being favored. You know, I can't, I don't know if parents realize how damaging it could be just to have forgotten to pick up your child at school on time and leaving them there. That, that is unbelievable that people will do that. They will do something else rather than go get their kid and they just leave them there uh, to just wait on them. What a, what a horrible message you're sending that child. It, you know, they're being rejected or, or, or oftentimes, you know, if kids being favored, they're going to expect being favored throughout their whole life. Uh, rigid controls, putting over everything from who their friends are and how they dress, you know, controlling a child to, to the point that they can't become their own individual. That's a horrible effect you're having on that child because now they have to depend on someone else and you're teaching them to depend on someone else to do all those things for them that they need to be doing for themselves. You know, being ridiculed or ignored when sharing thoughts or feelings. You know, uh, it's a horrible thing. Uh, if a child is talking to you, listen, listen. You know, feel like they have, uh, like they have some uh, sense of, of uh, responsibility or some sense of being heard because when you don't hear someone, you're basically saying you don't exist in my mind. And that is a form of abuse. Also physical abuse. You know, do not, do not uh, um, hit a child. If you're going to hit a child, first of all, don't hit with an object. And second of all, don't discipline them when you're angry. You know, if you're going to spank, spank for a reason and there has to be a sense of, of teaching a lesson and making sure they understand that you know that's just the way that goes you know i'm not advocating for spanking but i'm saying that hey you know if you're going to do discipline they need to know what they're being disciplined for you know it's also functional families you know what how do we know if we even have one you know if you have a functional family you got to look for some characteristics one of the first ones the most important ones of functional families is respect that means listening people listen in a healthy family all people in the family brothers to sisters mothers to fathers parents to kids must be respectful as they consistent as consistently as possible being considerate of each other is the tie that binds us even more than love i think too much emphasis is put on love and loyalty in families and and you know the whole thing about a, a loving family is to be able to trust the fact that your your family cares about you respects you you know and, and just about all things on everything that we look for in a healthy family comes from that sense of respect and empathy and love for each other also if we have a functional family, another thing you're looking for is a emotionally safe environment where all members of the family can state their opinions, their thoughts, their wants, their dreams, their desires, their feelings without fear of being slammed, shamed, belittled, or dismissed. And if parents can hold on to the fact that they, they have a safe environment where we can be ourselves, we can say things that are absolutely crazy, that's okay. That's okay because we're allowing individuality and we don't want our children to be criticizing each other and, and, and stifle each other's growth in that. Also, you know, uh, resiliency in a family is very important. So re when relationships between people in a family are healthy, they can withstand a lot of stress. They can, stand, they can move through trauma and bounce back and recover. Resiliency starts with encouraging health eating, sleeping well, and physical activity. 
You know, we pull together in the hard times. That's the most important thing. Also, privacy of space, of body, of thought. You know, uh, knock and ask permission to enter before going through a closed door. All family members are sensitive regarding personal space and aren't insulted if someone needs a lot of room. That is important in a family, privacy. And healthy families allow that. Another thing is accountability. Being accountable is not the same thing as, uh, you know, putting a homing device on somebody or abusing the cell phone to track uh, someone 24 by 7. That's not better than, you know, that's, that's not much better than stalking. But, you know, be accountable is 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 very important thing in a healthy family respectful reasonable informing people in the family where you are and what you're doing so they can grow and trust and not worry also apologies healthy families apologize to each other you know it's sad when people hold out for an apology on a point of pride never acknowledging their part in the dispute how many times have you heard uh, of family things, the arguments that last for years because someone feels they're owed an apology. And so, you know, a functional family will have conflict. It's, it's very cool when we can have an argument and get to the other side of it. And that means we're hearing each other's perceptions. We're not looking for what my truth is. We're not trying to be right. We're trying to validate each other's perceptions of the truth. We don't have to always agree. You know, allow reasonable expressions of emotions. You know, when you're growing up, um, it's very hard for parents to tolerate people being angry or, uh, you know, crying. You know, but the thing is, is we have to embrace that. That doesn't mean we have to live in that emotion. The whole goal of embracing and, and, and allowing a reasonable expression of emotions is not to perpetuate the emotions. It's to move through the emotions so that we know that they don't last that long. And so, you know, um, people in a, in a functional family also do have a sense of humor, are humble enough to tease each other about things that just is simple, simple sarcasm. But that's just to say that I know you. I know you and I love you. And I'm not saying that this is your fault. This is a bad quality. It's just that I know you enough to, to be able to call you on something. So that's kind of cool that when you're in a family that's close to be able to do something like that. So people change. People grow. And so in a healthy family, what they do is they adapt to that. They help each other grow. They help each other change. They play a big role in that. And also in healthy families, there's a co-parenting team between mom and dad or whoever. If there's two guys, two, two ladies, whatever. But they co-parent. They work together as a team. And there's also in healthy families, they encourage, uh, the siblings encourage each other to work together. And they have each other's backs. They, they, uh, they get each other's sense of humor. And big thing with healthy families, you know, they eat together. They have their meals together. And they also treat each other how they wish to be treated in return. And that's what a healthy family looks like. And that's what we want to see. I'd love to hear from everybody. That's our show, drgbmft at svcglobal.net or through my website on Voice America. Now, remember, you know you have a dysfunctional family when you have a family gathering for those who still talk to each other. Also, remember, if you didn't get enough family dysfunction at Thanksgiving, make sure you invite everyone back for Christmas. And if you feel 
uh, you grew up healthy, be the first in thousands of, you'll be the first in thousands of years, and what you should do is start an adult children of normal parents group. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 